Welcome to Talking Shop from Vixen Labs, the podcast making voice work for marketers. In this series, we dive into the data, scour the case studies, and bring you the business insights you need to build voice into your digital and marketing strategies. I'm your host, James Poulter, CEO at Vixen Labs, and each week I'll be joined by industry leaders to help us get really practical when it comes to building voice into your marketing strategy. Whether you're wondering how voice search can help customers find you, or how voice applications can enable you to connect and convert customers, well, this is the show for you. Okay, let's get talking. Entertainment, it's one of the original voice use cases. We buy smart speakers, headphones, and cars, hopefully with a decent stereo system, because first and foremost, we want to listen to great music, podcasts, radio, audiobooks, and learn about all of those things too. The music industry has been transformed by the streaming era, and now voice is set to evolve that transformation even further as we begin to discover and engage with artists, not just by browsing for them on our streaming sites and on our mobiles, but by asking for them with our voices. Voice users across the globe are turning to their smart speakers to find new music, reconnect with their long-held favourites, and increasingly find new ways to connect with those artists and acts directly. Today, we're joined by people who should know more about this transformation firsthand than most. Uh, James Bartlett and Lauren Fitzgerald from Sony Music UK, longtime friends and clients here at Vixen Labs, and also experts in their own right on the world of voice and music from some of the projects that they've worked on over the past few years. And we're going to get into all of that in just a moment. But like, first of all, I want to welcome both of you to the show. And Lauren, why don't you just introduce us to yourself? Hi. I'm Lauren Fitzgerald. I am a senior digital marketing manager at RCA, part of Sony Music. That means I look at digital strategy and audience development for the artists on the RCA roster. And in particular, we've been working together over the past year or so on a, a project that's pretty close to your heart as well. Why don't you just tell us a quick one about what that is? Yeah, sure. So we worked with the team at Vixen to develop the Paloma Faith skill, Paloma's Bedtime, which was a skill designed where users could listen to Paloma read bedtime stories, sing lullabies and listen to different sleep sounds. It's been a really fun project to work on. It has indeed. We're going to get into that a bit more in a moment. And we're also joined by James Bartlett, also from the Sony team. James, you want to just introduce yourself? Hey, James, of course. Yeah. So I'm James Bartlett, head of Insight within Fourth Floor Creative, which is Sony Music UK's creative and strategic intelligence hub. Ultimately, within the Insight team, we're responsible for primary consumer research across a broad array of topics. But of course, voice has been you know, quite paramount to a lot of our research over the last couple of years. Absolutely. And it's something that we're thinking even more about at the moment in the, the life cycle of that, that consumer, which has changed quite drastically. And I think that's what we want to kind of start with to look at as we uh, gather to, to really think about where voice is, is having an impact in the entertainment industry. As I said in the intro, you know, streaming, obviously, for the past decade has completely transformed the, the entire business model of the music industry. And now we're seeing that it's become such a dominant way in which people engage with their music. But the devices that they've been streaming that on have obviously changed in recent years. And smart speakers here in the UK in particular have had a, a major impact on the way in which that that factors we, we saw in our own research that you know smart speakers are becoming one of the most dominant ways that people listen to music certainly in the home uh, and that people are using their voices as well wherever they are in fact 67 percent of voice users named playing a song from their favorite artist 
as their top entertainment ask. And, and probably not a big surprise to any of us, we buy these devices to listen to music. But obviously, this is having a big impact on uh, the way in which you know, music is, is consumed. And ultimately, that means the way in which um, we kind of change how we market to consumers as well. So, um, Lauren, maybe just from a kind of, first of all, from that kind of label perspective, you know, RCA, one of the, the biggest labels in the UK and, and one of the, the big ones within Sony in particular. How has Sony and RCA you know, approached the changes in music consumption that's been brought about by the rise of voice-assisted devices? How is it impacting the way in which you let people know what there is out there to listen to? It's been a really interesting shift because I think on the one hand, the job of like a marketing team within a label has has remained the same. Our job is to find fans and inform them about the artist and inform them that music is available to them and create that kind of world around a release. But also, I guess we're competing with this new medium. We still have to market like awareness of a track. And a lot of that is happening off of a voice device. So all of the usual places are staying really important. But instead of, I guess, marketing like a click onto something, we're marketing awareness of an artist's name and, and the, the name of a track and the phrase that people need to say to find that song. So we've kind of approached it in a couple of ways, I think. At RCA, we work primarily with what we call frontline artists, which is developing artists or artists that are currently releasing music. As Sony, I guess we've looked at a lot of catalogue stuff and optimising catalogue to work for, for voice devices. But on a frontline kind of label side, we're looking at how we can work with artists to involve them in that user journey. Yeah, because I suppose when people don't know the name of someone that's come up with a song, um, maybe they've heard that track, you know, they've heard a clip on Love Island or they've heard a clip, you know, kind of in an advert or something like that. Knowing who to ask for is is a problem. And particularly if you are doing that in a world where there isn't a visual input, people need to know the names of tracks and artists again, which maybe wasn't always the case perhaps recently. Yeah, and I think it's it's exactly that. And I think that's where, like, I guess the challenge is still the same. Marketing the song and getting that message across in order to like build familiarity for people to then like opt in to want to listen to something is still exactly the challenge. Just the way that they're opting in has changed. We've seen a shift, I guess, in like people becoming more familiar with track names with a rising streaming. But I think if you put a playlist on on your speaker, if you ask some, if you ask for like happy songs and a playlist comes up and you're just cooking and music playing on the background and then you might like a song but you you have no way of if you don't have a screen you have no way of knowing what that song is unless you shazam it or something it's like a, we have to find a way to force a behavior to have people build that affiliation between the song and, and our artists who we're ultimately trying to build a brand for and build that positive relationship with the track so we're doing a lot of work with artists to make sure that they are communicating to their fans how they can engage with their music through voice speakers. But I think we're also doing a lot of work alongside that to just think about that user journey and how we can make it easier for people to go from hearing a song to loving an artist. And I suppose because it happens in that kind of passive and active way, right? So like you mentioned, you've stuck a playlist on that might be quite generic in its name, like happy songs or 
I think at the weekend we had Italian classics to cook to because my eldest daughter wanted a kind of Italian theme night. We were making pizzas. So you, there's that kind of very passive way of like just music is playing. And I might turn and ask you know, Alexa what's playing, or I might say to my assistant, you know, kind of tell me what this is. Maybe if I've got a screen device in front of me, it might be telling me anyway. But you mentioned there, it's also about encouraging artists to change the way in which that they're talking about their songs. How does that materially show up in campaigns now that you're working with with artists that are kind of on the label? Like what, what stuff are they actually having to do to make that awareness kind of kick in? It sounds really like rudimentary, but it is literally just videos of them doing what we're going to ask fans to do. That's the kind of most basic version, I guess. And we work a lot with artists who have fan bases that are very engaged with their favourite artists' social media. So if we post a video and they see it, it's kind of the most like immediate way we can we can kind of get that across. But then we're also looking at partnering with platforms to do stuff that's just a little bit more interesting or a bit more custom so if you ask for a certain song can we have a piece of content that you're rewarded with that you wouldn't get if you hadn't done that something that's exclusive to people that activating the song from like voice devices i like you say that's kind of giving back that that added extra to kind of help build that audience and kind of make it more custom of an experience so James, I want to uh, tend to ask this question about, you know, we know that people you know, love to ask more than just for the music. They also love to ask questions of their voice assistants about all sorts of things related to entertainment. You know, we saw in our, our recent report that 57% of voice users in the UK said they were finding the answers to common entertainment related questions, something that they were actually really very likely to do. And that means that people are trying to discover not just the music, but things about the music or about artists. Where's that beginning to impact in the way in which artists are thinking about their content or how they connect with people? You know, are they trying to answer these questions as well as also just tell people where the track is? I mean, absolutely. I think one of the things that we've noticed outside of sort of typical music requests, if you like, is that these devices definitely lock into certain routines and offer real utility value to people and families that are using them. So beyond just looking at music and other things people might want to find out about an artist. We've also seen kind of a number of opportunities where our artists can fit into context and perhaps even engage with users where their music and perhaps them as an artist may previously not necessarily fit in as easily. So I think a really great example of that is something like Paloma's Bedtime, but other initiatives like Handwash Tunes, which was a skill that was created within Full Floor Creative, I think are really good examples of music and artists perhaps fitting in around other contexts and just to sort of expand a bit on how much tunes it was ultimately at the very start of the pandemic obviously there was a lot of public information around hand washing at the time and advising people to hand wash for 20 seconds to prevent the spread of covid but i think intuitively uh, we also kind of saw that messaging but knew that may be easier said than done for some families you know mandating that as parents might cause tantrums on a regular basis or might face some resistance for younger members of the household. And ultimately that led us to a concept of a 20 second musical timer that can be activated by a voice. So really easy to do when your hands are wet with a custom audio from our artists that ultimately helps make hand washing far more fun for the whole family. And I think that's a really neat example of where music and artists can suddenly slot into a moment where perhaps previously it might have been very cumbersome. And perhaps previously, they wouldn't necessarily have asked that of our artists on our music. 
but really there's a real value add we can have by kind of creating those kind of initiatives. Yeah, I think you know, when we were building out all of the content that went into that, you saw the kind of artists that you know, kind of lined up and suddenly you've got these different artists every single day that are being you know, kind of featured in it. And there are people that you wouldn't necessarily always expect and they're kind of popping in, but then they suddenly have relevance by being a part of that very daily habit. You mentioned, you know, like hand, washing our hands or with the case of Paloma, things like, um, you know, kind of the bedtime stories or sleep sounds and focus. Yeah, we see this across the industry, don't we? That you know, kind of smart speakers, they they are very much things that fit into our daily habits, routines, lives. That they're things that we use for repeat tasks. And yeah, it's the same way we use music. We use music in our daily lives for that, whether it's motivation for running or helping us go to sleep, or you know, kind of keeping us accountable to doing something fun like those songs that are in the skill. But you know, kind of hopefully also doing something helpful, washing hands. So you know, people are changing their habits there. I think that's, that's super interesting. You mentioned there also about the content side of things. So maybe, Lauren, just to kind of bring you in on this one as well. Are artists thinking about different types of content that they have to put out there because they know that people are asking voice devices and voice search to get the answers? I think we are thinking about it on behalf of artists a fair amount. I think the type of content that people are asking for has stayed pretty much the same over time. When you have a favourite artist, you have a favourite song, you want to know where you can watch the music video, what the video is about, like who wrote the song with them, what is the song about, all of those contextual pieces of information around the art. But then there's also the practical side of it of where can I get tickets, where can I buy merch, where can I see or have access to this artist. And pre-voice speakers, I guess, we saw all of that traffic going to websites. So we've now very much just thinking about how we can pivot so we're covering all of that off on the voice side of things as well as well and make sure that we have the answers for those questions for the fans and make that a satisfying interaction so you're not sent through like a bunch of different results to try and get the information that you want so we're working with artists to make sure that websites are completely up to date or that we have like FAQ sections and that kind of stuff and really listening to what people want and trying to make sure that we can we can cater for that in the relevant places. Yeah, and I suppose we see this coupled with this rise in, in voice search more generally, right? Uh, the, the research shows not just within entertainment, but across the board that people are using their devices more and more to ask these simple questions. Following the success of our first voice commerce report, we're back. I'm proud to announce the launch of the Voice Consumer Index 2021. Brought to you by the team at Vixen Labs in partnership with Open Voice Network. The Voice Consumer Index 2021 is an in-depth look at people's behaviours around voice assistance on smart speakers, mobile and web across the US, UK and Germany. The Voice Consumer Index explores seven key sectors, banking and insurance, retail, food delivery, entertainment, consumer packaged goods, healthcare, and travel. And we have a host of free materials to help you get the best start. Head to vixenlabs.co to access all of the Voice Consumer Index findings. If you're after a one-to-one consultation tailored to your industry, then email us at podcast at vixenlabs.co. Include the code vixenpod21 in your email for a 10% discount on the consultation fee. Now, most of what we've looked at 
so far has been more kind of in that context of smart speakers and in the home, obviously, some of the projects we've worked on. But what we really see when you look across different ages and demographics is some quite different types of usage um, by device and also by the assistant that they um, want to use. James, perhaps maybe you can kind of give us some insight on this. You know, we know that younger voice users, they're experts in using their smartphones. <laughs> and uh, as a result, they're experts in using their voice on their smartphones. We saw from the, the research that they're most likely, you know, for those um, in that kind of 18 to 24-year-old demographic, the youngest that we surveyed, you know, Apple and Siri is their their device of choice, obviously predominantly the iPhone being their device of choice. So how do you think that that's going to have a bearing on you know, kind of music discovery when it comes to kind of younger generations? Do we see anything significantly different in terms of the way that young people discover music versus those that are maybe up in age and, and what impact voice might have there? I think in terms of brand new discovery, so someone literally stumbling upon some music or an artist that they've literally never heard before, I think perhaps that younger generation using voice is meaning that they're more prone to be surfacing artists via mood or context-centric recommendations, or even a mix of both than they had been previously. I think as we, as we spoke about earlier, in order to request a specific artist, you kind of have to know that artist's name. So in terms of discovering something new that you haven't heard of, it may well be coming from those kind of context and mood style recommendations. You know, we know it's relatively natural via voice, perhaps to even ask things that you wouldn't ask of a text-based input. So, you know, you mentioned earlier, James, things like play me Italian music to cook to or something like, you know, upbeat songs to dance to or sad songs that are popular on TikTok. These are all requests that you may well not type in, but are quite intuitive to ask when you're using a service like Siri. And obviously there's quite a few interlocking layers to those requests. You know, there's context cues in there, there's mood-based cues in there. So as Lauren mentioned earlier, we really have to kind of optimise and position catalogue and new releases accordingly to ensure that ultimately our artist's music has the opportunity to surface in those kind of instances when, you know, people can be given some quite specific requests that could surface music they hadn't heard before. And as you said, maybe even some quite sort of esoteric style requests of these devices that ultimately our music could fulfil for them. Lauren, for you, when you're thinking about some of those frontline artists often appealing to you know, kind of those young demographics, it, it, does that really change the way in which you're thinking about partners and also like where you place music and, and, how, and then how people actually go and access those? Because that must factor into some of those decisions. When it comes to frontline artists and, and kind of new artists that we're, we're developing and trying to build those kind of like early stage fan bases for, I think, having a think about the, the context in which people are going to find that music is really important. And we, as an industry, I think are very much traditionally marketed based on genre and subcultures. And if you had a punk band, you'd make sure you were in all the punk playlists, right? But I think now we're seeing that shift that, that James is speaking about to people using music to soundtrack feeling or time of day and that is it's more of a challenge to create that association to an artist and to get that goodwill transfer from the feeling you're getting over to to the exact person that's providing that feeling so that's where i think all of the other assets that we create around the song become so important i mean we, we still continue to make a lot of music videos and that's because the music video conveys the mood of the song 
or the content that we create online conveys the kind of feeling that we're trying to create around stuff. So all of those additional assets are still so important to help us position a song in a place where you end up on the happy songs playlist or the Italian songs to cook to playlist. It's like, that's how we create that picture for our partners and for fans to to place that song or that artist in that area of what they're going to use the music for. You're so right, because it means that we're beginning to ask for things prompted by the emotions or the activities rather than what we traditionally think of are our, our interests. As in, I like jazz, you know, it's like, well, that's not true. I don't like all of jazz. <laughs> I like certain things of jazz. <laughs> but, but mostly I like bits of jazz because of the way it makes me feel or because it accompanies something that I'm doing. Like, there's probably a lot of like, you know, EDM that I don't really like, but I only like when I'm running or I'm only like when I'm exercising. And it's it totally changes that dynamic. And I, I think the playlist thing is is super interesting because, yeah, we've seen that that's a way that people are discovering entirely new areas of music and you know that they're discovering them outside of the context of knowing an artist or knowing an album or even liking that that genre as you say they're just discovering them because it was on a playlist somewhere i mean james tell me how important are these playlists now in terms of the way in which people are, are getting discovered or building audience is it more important that people know the track or is it more important people know what playlist that person might show up I think realistically, it's it's ultimately always going to be a combination of both. I mean, obviously, playlists are, are very important, um, and kind of getting that you know an artist positioned on a playlist, so that we are there perhaps for some of these requests that people can be making of these devices. But as we spoke about earlier, we also want to be making sure that someone can then jump straight back into that artist and their music at another point in the future. So we kind of want to be making sure that we're also marketing around who that artist is, the name of the song, so that when it comes to that next request, it's not about remembering exactly what you asked for when you're in that particular mood and context. Next time, you're able to go straight to that artist and their music, if you so desire. Yeah, I think that that context switching is going to become more frequent for everybody. It's you know Sometimes you're going to know an album and an artist's name. Sometimes it's, I only know them in the context that I heard them on this playlist, and that that dynamic makes things really interesting. So as we come into land here, I want to just ask you a couple of things about kind of where you see all of this going. Uh, you know, we're looking a little bit in the crystal ball, but maybe some predictions are always worthwhile having. You know, the data shows from the research that people are searching for things like event information. And in some cases, they're even purchasing tickets with voice-assisted devices, merchandise, and obviously physical sales of certainly of things like vinyl haven't gone away in their entirety, far from it. So when it, you think about kind of what further opportunities there might be for Sony and the, the artists and the label and the other parts of the business in genres, things like kids or you know, kind of older adults or re-engaging with the catalogue, where do you see voice beginning to factor into reaching new music fans in the, in the future and, and particularly also building these audiences? What are you excited about? I think the utility side of stuff that you kind of spoke through, like the, the purchasing, the the information, like I think that will always be there. But I think we are in a creative industry and we work with creative people. So I think the exciting element for me is how artists are going to use a new medium to create their art and create the world around their art. I think we haven't really ever had a world where artists just put songs out they've always made sure that they styled themselves and made videos and had live shows and 
dance routines and all of that stuff that that creates this feeling or this kind of that builds on the art in some way and I think we are now at the stage where artists are starting to see the opportunity with voice speaker as a platform in which they could build on their art form and that's I think where I'm most excited to see where it goes as soon as you put this technology in the hands of people that are always iterating and always getting more creative how can they like push the boundaries of it and how can we work with them to do that and then on a more business side I guess like we're in an attention economy how can we build interesting things for our artists that build their brand outside of just people listening to their music and I think you know we've spoken about it already but the Paloma skill was like a version of that for me it was like you love Paloma Fade's music here's a way that you can have Paloma be part of a completely different area of your life and that extension of artist brand in the space I think is going to be really interesting yeah, super fascinating. I think you're, you're absolutely right that we haven't even began to scratch the surface on the way in which some of these cr- creative, you know, kind of some of the most creative individuals we have on the planet will probably uh, understand it as things kind of get more easy for them to access and also as they begin to see it show up in the, the marketing of their own art, right? The more that we're all saying, Alexa, open this or Google Assistant, open this, you know, the more that they're going to resonate with the fact that there might be something here to do to, you know, kind of capture that attention. So, Absolutely. Well, James, same question to you. Kind of, where do you see this kind of going? Yeah, you know, are we all going to be buying our tickets from Alexa in the next you know, few years, or is it still some way off? I certainly think these devices will become much more conversational. I suppose over time. So, I think it's going to be very natural if you're uh, listening to music that you like to continue that journey with the devices and ask them more about an artist and their music. You know, whether that's you know where are they playing live next are they coming to my city or perhaps if it's a you know a screen enabled device can you show me cool merch by this artist i think those slightly more conversational interactions will become a really really big part of how people are engaging with voice i think going forward often these devices can fulfill really kind of specific requests for people and they're kind of getting used to actually how can i go a bit further than that i think as the as the technology evolves and as we're structuring for that i think people will get used to really sort of engaging with conversations rather than just one-off requests with these devices. And I think that's something we can really look forward to and and that's going to open lots of doors. And hopefully we end up meeting in the middle between your guys' two predictions, right? You know, consumers get more advanced in what they're asking, more willing to chat, talk to these things for longer, and then artists meet them with, with really engaging experiences that kind of go that one step further as well. So it sounds like the, uh, the future for the kind of musical voice interface is, uh, is alive and well and has got some exciting stuff ahead of us well if this is something you guys want to um listening you know you're interested in and some of the projects that the guys have mentioned you'll be able to find the links to all of the skills we mentioned things like hand wash chains paloma faith bedtime story you can obviously go and ask your smart speaker of choice for those things depending on where you're listening to uh, but you'll find links to those in the show notes as well but for now james lauren from sony thank you so much for spending some time with us to chat about the recent research and the data and we'll be back next week with another deep dive into the world of voice for brands and marketers for now thanks so much for being here and we'll see you again soon you've been listening to talking shop from vixen labs if you'd like to download any of the voice consumer index 2021 resources mentioned in this episode then head over to vixenlabs.co vci where you can get the white paper executive summary and more delivered straight to your inbox until next time keep talking 